Hello and welcome to Dad Pod. I'm Charlie Clawson. He is Usher Ginsberg, and this is a show for dads, but also mum dads as well. In the first season, we sort of took you through our day-to-day experience of being new dads. Now in season two, we've decided to take a collective breath and look back at what we learnt through that pregnancy period and see if we can dish out a bit of advice. Dad Pod, now with facts, we're calling it. We've, we've covered a lot of things through this second season about whether you do or don't tell people in the first 12 weeks, you know, what to expect in your partner's body in the first trimester, whether you go public or private. Now, we did cover this a little bit in an earlier episode, but we wanted to dedicate a whole episode to it. This idea of where do you live now and mm. where will where you live now be appropriate for this next phase of your life? Because you really are, you're getting a flatmate that's coming to live with you and mm. they are up all hours of the day or night. They will eat everything. They will shit everywhere, literally, and they'll leave their <laughs> leave their mess all over the place. Uh, they make a lot of racket, and when they're asleep, nothing else can happen in the house. Yeah, so. <laughs> it's funny. I remember I was telling a mate because we have a spare room in our apartment, and at one stage last year when Jen was pregnant. Well, before she was pregnant, we were like, well, maybe we can sort of rent out that spare room just for a bit of extra scratch. And then my mate was like, what are you talking about? Getting a housemate. He's going, you're about to get the worst housemate you've ever had in your entire life. You're going to have the most, the loudest, most inconsiderate housemate. You don't need another housemate to deal with. This is going to be all that. This is going to put you off housemates for the rest of your life. They're not going to contribute anything to the rent. They'll never put in for the groceries, but fuck them. Make sure you get me. You've always got to get something for them down the shops. And yeah, yeah and you can't ask them to move out. <laughs> you can't have that conversation. You just can't. But what we're talking about specifically is, are there things in your place? Like, is where you're living now, is it going to change once you have this small child? For instance, I can t- tell you from my experience, we live in a, I love my apartment, but it is a top floor apartment. And everything I loved about this place before child, BC, is now everything I hate about this place after a child. We've done a lot of traveling this year. And uh, when you start traveling with a child, you're no longer just taking your big suitcase and your little suitcase and your laptop bag. Suddenly, I think on the last count, we have 14 pieces of luggage that we have to take with us. We have Fuck travel yeah. travel Who are seats. you, Kanye? I love it. <laughs> yeah, travel cots, everything, prams, all that kind of stuff. And for me to lug that shit up and down the stairs every time we book a taxi or go to and from the airport, like especially in this summer, it was just like a nightmare. I, I couldn't believe how quickly I had gone from loving this apartment to now like scouring realestate.com every day to see where we can move to because your life changes. Like you are no longer just taking like a quick drip you know, down to the shops and no longer doing a quick run to go for a swim after work or whatever. Everything is now about how do we make this easy for ourselves? Because every minute that you spend lugging stuff around is another minute that you are not asleep or baby's not asleep. Yes. <laughs> I mean, I've got to admit, less time to go to the gym, but it is made up for by carrying baby seats up and down two flights of stairs every day. We lived in an apartment all through Audrey's pregnancy. We were on a third floor walk-up, probably about another one more flight of stairs than what you've got. But his stairs at Charlie's house are almost like like the 39 steps from that Hitchcock movie where if you took mm. one wrong step, there's no landing. You're going yeah. all the way back to the street. 
<laughs> yeah, it's an old building. It was built before safety regulations. It was terrifying. But still, as Audrey's pregnancy wore on and, you know, she'd get to the second flight and just go, oh, what's that, honey? Nothing. <laughs> As she was lugging herself up, there was 48 steps at our old apartment. And then once Wolf showed up, obviously for the first six weeks, we weren't, you know, he wasn't leaving because he's not vaccinated and not able to go outside. But yeah, once it came time to lug Wolf and everything up and down the stairs, then things started to really kick in that, oh man, these stairs are, I mean, people do it in New York, good for them. Mm. You can be on your brownstone, walk up in Brooklyn, have at you, but that comes with you, then you're in Brooklyn, and then that's okay. Yeah. But no. Yeah. <laughs> well, here's the thing. I shall let you a little secret. Apartment planners and developers do not take into account children when they're designing and marketing their buildings. No. It's not a sexy image. That's why there is such a thing as, like, the burbs, because it does challenge you. And also, it's not just the actual physical effort of getting up and down the stairs and carrying shopping up and down the stairs and baby stuff up and down the stairs. Also remember that once this baby's out, and what we're going through at the moment is sleep training. And if you have neighbours, you've got to consider, are they going to want to listen to your baby crying while you're teaching self-settling at night? And I've listened to, hang on, I've listened to enough episodes of TOEFOP to know that you have a neighbour. <laughs> you have a neighbour that is somewhat sensitive to auditory stimulus. Any sound, yeah. I mean, like, thankfully, that those particular neighbours are two stories below us. So the downstairs neighbours have been great and very understanding. And I don't know if they're just being nice to my face. They say they don't hear anything. But, you know, I've known from my own experience living in different apartments over my life that you do hear a baby when a baby cries in the middle of the night. In fact, the previous neighbours who lived downstairs had a baby and that baby would wake up in the middle of the night. So that might be something you want to consider. If you have a great relationship with your neighbours and they're totally cool about you having a baby and that's fine, but you maybe want to think about, is this going to cause friction down the line? You already had a little extra space in your place. So you have a, you have a spare room, you had an extra place where you and Jem could work if you needed to and baby could sleep. And this is very important. My office where I used to do all my podcasts and things became the baby room in our old apartment. And so I, I then lost the office and I had to work from the dining room table. I had to pack up all the, you know, the big kind of pod cave stuff that I had all set up and I had to pull all that down. And I ended up having to do all of my podcasts at the Batuta Advocate Studios because I couldn't do the podcast at home anymore. So that was quite a factor that we, we worked in there. But there's actually science behind this, Charlie. There is science mm. that clearly states if you're going to move, if your house isn't going to be good for the first couple of years of the baby's life, you've got to move before the baby comes because a move during early pregnancy is actually linked to heightened premature birth risk. So, you know, moving to somewhere new in the first three months of pregnancy is actually linked to a heightened risk of premature birth and low birth weight. So that second trimester when you got to like actually, you know, everything's kind of okay. We talked about that last episode. That's probably the moment to go. But be careful and keep your head on straight. I've watched enough episodes of Grand Designs where if you think, oh, we'll get the renovation done before the baby comes. No, you won't. Uh, you'll just have Kevin McLeod come and laugh at you for trying to do something so outlandish before the baby comes. But yeah, it's, it's really important. To have, just have a think about it. You, you're, you're essentially you're getting a like we said before. You're getting a new flatmate that isn't going to contribute financially to the home, but you're still going to have to pay for this flatmate around. So it's just all a part of it. But as your wife gets or your partner gets more and more pregnant, their ability to lift things and move things around does diminish. So I mean, we got movers, man. We had to get movers because mm. we we moved about. Wolfie was three months old, four months old when we moved, and yeah. 
we got people to come and move the place because Audrey was still not quite up to lifting boxes and things like that. It was super, super, super stressful to move when baby was so young, but I'm bloody glad we're out of the other place because that apartment, it wasn't big enough for the four of us, that's for sure. And there is some science behind all of this, the idea of nesting. I mean, particularly for women, uh, the Science Daily actually did a, an article about this. And they talked about nesting stemming from humans' evolutionary past. Um, the idea of wanting to clean and minimise and create a safe space is a mechanism to protect and prepare for an unborn baby. You might also notice, and this is kind of important for, we all have that mate, Osh, don't we? We all have that mate who, you know, <laughs> is, you know, the kind of guy who always needs to borrow money or, oh, yeah. you know, they sleep on your couch oh, yeah. or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. You might find that your partner is maybe just a little more resistant to that person coming around as much. And again, oh, yeah. that apparently stems from evolutionary biology because, your partner will start to really work out who she feels safe around and who she feels trusted around. So if you have that guy, that party animal friend, that Hawaiian shirt wearing, mm. lampshade on the head wearing friend, you may want to just sort of consider whether or not it's worth having him come around for Friday night beers. Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt. And the nesting thing is is really important because, as as you know, if you listen to the first season of the show, that Audrey did have a few false starts towards the end when it did come to, to baby arriving. And when we were in for one of those nights, the midwife, uh, we were supposed, we were booked to be induced. And so we were supposed to call the hospital at five in the morning and say, okay, so what time do you want us to come in? When's the bed's going to be open? And they said, oh, let's just come now. But three hours before that, somewhere around 2.30, Audrey woke up, bolt upright in bed, bang, contraction had started because psychologically her body had gone, okay. Now we're ready. And we told this to the midwife. She said she has heard stories of a, a woman who was like, no, I'm not ready, not, you're not ready, and then literally vacuuming the baby room. And as soon as they turned <laughs> the vacuum off, like, okay, baby room's done. Bang, labor starts. Mm. Or someone who similarly, they, they put the final thing on the mantelpiece in the baby room and bang, labor started. So if you are going to move, make sure you allow your partner that time to nest. It is so, so important because if that is uncompleted, they'll just be running around like, like in a loop of behavior, like a Westworld host, like not able to complete their mission. And it'll lead to anxiety and you don't want that to happen. And Osh is just continuing the tradition of this show of obscure sci-fi and fantasy references tied into parenting advice. Brilliant. I love it. Am a I Westworld wrong? host. Am I wrong? No, you're right. You're 100% correct. I'm just glad it's not an Asterix reference in this episode. I feel like we probably lost half our listeners. I've got to find the name of that week. Asterix character because it was, they always had really good pun names. Hang on a sec. <laughs> um, it's, it's also worth thinking about if you are someone who likes being a handyman, if you are kind of handy, that this is a great time for you to start paying more trips to Bunnings and Ikea because there's going to be lots of stuff you need. For instance, uh, if you listen to season one, you'll hear that my proudest achievement was building my three-chamber uh, wardrobe for the nursery. It's gigantic. Uh, Is Gemma humongous. Me. She, she absolutely doubted that I could do this. And it, look, it did take me the better part of 24 hours to get this thing constructed and upright. But I'm big on this idea that you create these little sort of milestones throughout the pregnancy to help you kind of prepare for what's coming. And I think if you have a physical, uh, visible goal, which is like, okay, so we're going to get the nursery prepared, it helps put you in the mindset for what's about to happen. So I can highly recommend, uh, look, here's the thing about Ikea. We all know what Ikea is like. It's like going to Mount Doom. You enter that place and it feels like you're walking around forever. So my little bit of advice is go online first and work out what it is you think you need, nail it, 
before you walk into IKEA, work out where that department is and just take all the shortcuts. You know how IKEA have little shortcut between sections? Yeah. Because the last thing you want to be doing, especially, you know, in the era of Corona, is getting like caught in with a a group of people. Just work out what it is. If you can't get it delivered, then go straight there, get the thing you want, get out. I got some stuff off IKEA when it came to building baby rooms and and actually room for Georgia, actually. And it was the last flat pack I will ever build. Is it the Pax wardrobe that you've got? Is that the one that you've got? Yeah. Yeah. I swore more during that than I've ever sworn in my life. And so when it came time to get the wardrobes that were actually put inside G's room, I paid the extra money and we got some guys to build it. Do you want to have an idea of what IKEA looks like when you get a professional to actually build it? It looks like it looks in the showroom. The cupboards all closed properly. Everything's lined up. Everything's amazing. I'm sure you all look good because you're a handy man. No, no. Well, I'm actually not. I mean, I'm not handy at all. But I'm, what I'm good at is following instructions. I'm pretty good with structure and instructions. And so I got it pretty much right apart from the one thing that bugs me is the door handles because I didn't have a proper ruler where I could line up where to do the drill holes. And so one of the handles is slightly squint and it does drive me mental. <laughs> well, look, when it does come to if you're going to move or not, because if you're going to stay, you really need to think about reorganizing your home like we had to do. Our, my beloved home office where I used to do radio out of just vanished and became a baby room and that was just something that had to happen. Mm. But if you are going to move, perhaps think about what it would be to relocate near either your parents or your partner's parents, mm. to have a grandma and grandpa around to help. Audrey's mum and dad, they do live in Queensland, but they have two children who live in New South Wales. So they're down here quite a bit and there's room for them to stay at both of our houses. So having them around quite often is extraordinarily helpful. It is really, really, really good. I know it's it's difficult for you because the only living grandparents that you guys have are in Scotland. So a bit hard for yeah. them to pop over, but there's a, a growing body of research, Charlie, that shows that living near the grandparents is a far more expansive experience for kids, including right. boosting the physical health of the children, advancing their language skills and giving them a strong moral compass. In fact, there was a survey of 13 and 14-year-olds in New South Wales, so people who are now well beyond their infant years. It was published uh, last November, and it said that kids with close relationships of that age, kids with close relationships with their grandparents, it increases the likelihood that those kids will be engaged in things like civic matters, uh, such as helping other people and the environment. It helps to stop kids being ageist because there are old people in their life. Mm. But the downside is that parents who are around their parents or their partner's parents, for example, there's a, a balancing act there because the, the way you're doing it isn't sometimes the way they want you to do it. So you kind of have to balance boundaries about how the kids are being raised versus this is how we did it in the 70s. Like, does it make it right? <laughs> you know? Uh, so consider that. If you are going to move, consider maybe living closer to grandparents because being able to pass a child to a grandma and grandpa and then just going to have 20 minutes or half an hour with your partner is extraordinarily helpful. And I guess if you're in the situation that Gemma and I are in where we don't have ready access to kind of grandparents, is you might want to consider, and this is not going to help you in the first kind of year or so, but childcare centres. You know, where Osh and I live in Australia, I think it must be the childcare capital of Australia because I feel like... Every time I take a walk around the neighborhood, there's a new childcare center popped up. You know, probably evidence that maybe we've got our economic system a bit skew if when both parents have to work and the child is put into childcare so they can afford to pay the rent or the mortgage in that place where they're living. But that's just the reality of, of where it is. Like, you know, we're quite fortunate. We have 
three childcare centres within walking distance of where we live. And I know from friends who live in the area as well that that can be an invaluable resource when just say, for instance, you've got, you know, you need the morning to work or you just need to get away for a couple of hours or you've got errands to run or whatever, being able to drop your kid at a childcare centre. So that's probably something worth looking at if you're going to move as well. Yeah, without a shadow of a doubt. It's super important, but it's up to you and it's obviously within your control um, within your financial situation and you know what you may not get on with your parents and you may not want them to be around all the time and that is totally understandable as well just i just advise you not to move into an area where there is a gingerbread house because from what i hear the lady who lives there likes to bake and eat children Uh, so it's probably worth avoiding Oh. <laughs> a lot of people have probably got used to this by now as well, but grocery deliveries is a huge help in this time as well. Uh, not just groceries, but things like nappies and little things that you would have to sort of normally run out and get. If you can get that stuff delivered, you can afford to have that done. It just makes life so much easier because especially in that first three months when you don't know yourself, who you are or what day it is, not having to worry about going down to the shops and, you know, doing your shopping and then coming home and realise you forgot to buy the thing that you went out to the shops for in the first place. Just do it online, get it delivered, especially like me when you live at the top floor of an apartment. It just makes life so much easier for you. Uh, when it did come to, and this is all kind of planning ahead, uh, this is a part of the moving, like how, what's our life going to look like? How, how much pressure can we take off ourselves during those first few months of baby being in the house? I had to actually do a dry run with the grocery delivery. I was trying to, because Audrey was like, no, 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 I've got to go down and, and squeeze the avocados. I've, I've got to pick fruit and veg. You know, this is, I know the right one to get. And so I had to say, look, we'll just order it and we'll see what happens. And it came and it was, it was actually pretty good. Pretty good. We found another bunch of people that do a fruit box. And uh, dude, it's awesome. Not having Only having to go to the grocery store for just the soy milk means I'm in and out of that place that's just teeming with viral load and people who seemingly have no idea that there's a fucking pandemic on. Uh, (laughs) Topic for a different podcast. Topic for a different podcast. Well, hello. Charlie Pickering, Charlie Claus, Notre Ginsburg calling from DadPod. How are you? I'm very well. Not only have... Do you once shared a home with Charlie Clawson? You are also sharing a home with not one but two children at the moment. You have a brand, brand, brand new baby in the house, right? That is right. I have a four-week-old boy. Oh, wow. Which is, yeah, that's pretty real. That's some pretty real baby stuff, dudes. And do you feel like you had a, a, a crack at it first so it was easier this time or is it like learning all over again? No, it is infinitely easier because there is not – this background panic to everything. Mm. Like you, you, you have kept a human being alive before, and that means that you think you can do it again. And it is just like any new parent, and I think maybe even specifically new dads. I don't know. I could be wrong, but new parents, with every single thing you do, you have no idea if you're doing it the right way or the wrong way. Mm. And it is like every single thing you do, even from the first time you change a nappy, first time you swaddle a kid. First time you try and settle a kid, like everything, you just have no idea if you're doing it wrong because there isn't like you're not supervised. Like you get more training and instruction learning how to make a Big Mac at McDonald's than you do <laughs> raising, a, raising a baby. <laughs> well, I think, you know, the same applies here. If I've got time to lean, I've got time to clean. It's the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> 
hang on, that means you've definitely worked at McDonald's because I worked at McDonald's and I said that heaps too. That's amazing. It was a horrible, horrible uh, eight weeks of my life. Never want to go back. Charlie and I were talking earlier about moving closer to parents or having parents around and if that was a part of your you know, thing that you were planning to do when you were pregnant the first time around. What was that situation like for you, Charlie? So we, like the first time around, where we lived wasn't great for the parents. It wasn't terribly far away, but it was enough of a commute. Like people in Melbourne would understand that to get to my in-laws, whilst on a map wouldn't be that far away, I had to go the length of Punt Road to get there. So on, on any given morning or afternoon, that could be just gridlock, absolute gridlock the whole way. It's kind of one of the worst traffic roads in Melbourne. With Punt Road, Charlie, it's fair to say you just swap out the first letter of that word and you get an accurate description. <laughs> yeah, Greg Hunt Road. <laughs> yeah. And my parents lived further away still. So it was it was far enough away that it took a lot of organisation just to get help from them or just to drop the baby off to be looked after or them to come over. It took some logistics and organisation to do that. We actually moved house a year ago. We moved into a new house and it is much closer to both sets of parents. And we moved because of the location of a school. But it has actually made made things a lot easier, or at least I thought it would, until COVID-19 meant that the grandparents aren't allowed to touch the baby. <laughs> yeah. But what it means is they are dropping off a lot of food and they've taken my eldest son to the afternoon or to the park or whatever to basically sort of ease the time up at home a bit so we've only got one baby to focus on. So it has been better and I think that's a pretty important part of it. And Charlie, with your first son, the place you're living at, were there any issues we were discussing? You know, I live in an apartment which, you know, before a child was our favourite place in the world. You know, we've got ocean views. It's like a busy part of town. We can get takeaway from anywhere on the street. Now, seven months into being a dad, everything I loved about where we lived that I loved about my apartment is just a thorn in my side, trying to get groceries up and down the stairs, trying to get my child up and down the stairs. Every car that goes past wakes her up. Every motorbike, people out having fun out the front of those cafes that I used to love. I want to kill all of them now. <laughs> well, I was pretty lucky that I was something of an old man in my mentality when I bought my first house. I, I thought, all right, well, I don't want to move for a long time. So I wanted to live somewhere that was good for kids. It was actually across the road from primary school and it had a, another bedroom and it had a decent sized garden. So I was just very lucky that at the time I was like, oh, I'm not going to buy a house for now. I'm going to buy a house for when I've got a kid. And I think that mm. was a pretty smart idea. And, you know, I was a working stand-up comic at the time. I was just lucky to be able to buy a house. That was a miracle. When you uh, got the parents around, though, when they, they've they got the extra help, I mean, Charlie and I, everyone's in the situation now where no grandparents can come and help out, though, but Charlie mm. and Gemma have a situation where they, they don't have any help. You know, the, the parents that, that are still with us are, are over in Scotland. When you think about how you might be able to manage without the help you've got, you know, what does that look like for you? Well, yeah, it's, it is hard, but you have to just learn to be able to do that because a lot of people are in that situation. And my wife, uh, her father's Australian, but her a whole bunch of her family. My wife was born in America and grew up in America. And so we spend, uh, well, before COVID, BC, uh, we <laughs> we would spend probably two, at least two months a year in New York. And we would do that in a small apartment with 
zero family help. Yeah. And we did that from the time our son was nine months old. So we're pretty used to that as well. And I think what you have to do is just simplify your life and simplify your expectations and realize that it's a victory just to do simple things and get through the day. There are so many moving parts that you just need to accept that to get through the day without having a major injury, like a major health care or a massive fight, you've done pretty well. <laughs> Speaking of planning, I, I do want to bring this up to you. Wolf, my wolf, you've got a wolf as well. My wolf is now eight months old. The other one is, uh, geez, 16 years old. At what point, Charlie Pickering, were you able to work the bicycle rides back into the routine? Uh, do you know, I'd say I still haven't. Oh, been able to, and I say this because, I, as in, it's just the time to do a proper ride. You know this, like, if you get an hour, it's okay. It's not a like a real, like, you need two plus hours to do a proper ride where you feel like you've really, you know, really pushed yourself. And I just don't have, I, I still don't have that time. What I do have, though, and this is like the one luxury item that keeps us sane, and, and when COVID hit, it turned out to be the greatest investment ever. When I was in the States last, I bought a Peloton bike, oh which is, I, I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with it, but it's like you, a spin bike that connects to online classes. Holy shit, you brought one of them back? Yeah, so I, <laughs> I bought a Peloton bike. Fucking hell. And then I spent like three weeks learning about sea freight. Yes. And I managed, and I had to I had to in New York I had to get this Peloton bike in a box down to the dock myself to oh my get God. it to the right place to get freight that was affordable and it took like eight weeks and I, I at no point did I have any idea if it had been lost at sea. And then one day it just arrived. And so I actually have I'm very fortunate. I've got a Peloton bike and they are they're a very well built spin bike but the classes are excellent and if you if you actually want to challenge yourself you can really do that so i am on that every day charlie i'd, I'd love to think that you're making a video diary of ev- your every day on your peloton like the peloton girl and then at the end of a year you and your wife will sit down and you will just tearily eye show her the video and say thank you so much for this life-changing peloton <laughs> not quite although you know what i did do which is so we got the Peloton bike, and then we went back to the States recently on a trip and went and did a class at Peloton. Mm. And it was it was like being in the studio audience for Letterman. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was like we were in the audience, and like the instructor, we're like, oh, I know you. And like people are getting selfies afterwards with the instructor nah. from the spin class. And it was re- it was literally like we got in, we started writing, and I said, this is exactly like being in the audience for a TV show. It was so funny. It's a strange experience. And, and anyone who has no idea what Peloton is had no fucking idea what I'm talking about. But it is um, the moment the pandemic hit, I was like, okay, all that time I put into learning about sea freight is worth it because I have a good workout and I don't have to leave the house. Well, in the absence of buying a Peloton bike and also the absence of bringing our families, I don't know. Look, all I'm saying is that, Charlie Clawson, I think all we really have to do is buy a Peloton bike and uh, and I think all our problems will be solved. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm just more interested in the filmmaking aspect of the Peloton. I just want to make that video diary <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> every day, me on the bike. Oh, my God, I feel so much better. 
<laughs> Amazing. <laughs> Charlie Pigory, thank you for bringing uh, a light to our day and thank you for taking 10 minutes out of your day to talk to us at this extraordinary time, four weeks into the new life of your son. Bloody brilliant. Thanks for taking your time, buddy. Thanks, mate. No worries. And and I just wanted to say, like, this was an interview with me as though I was some kind of expert. I wanted to say, do you guys have any tips for me? Because I think sharing information as dads is really important. Hmm. Well, I would say I, I'm at the stage now with Iona where uh, we're doing sleep training. And I would say the greatest instructional video you could watch is that scene at the start of Raiders of the Lost Ark where Indy swaps the bag of sand for the idol. <laughs> Because when I have to leave my daughter's room, when I finally get her like in the cot, haven't picked her up, I've resisted the urge to kind of rock her to sleep, I just put my hand, that move where I swap my hand out of the cot and escape out the room is just magic. And thank you, Indiana Jones. (laughs) If there's any any advice I could give, it's Raiders of the Lost Ark. Any expecting dads should practice that. They should be doing that before the baby (laughs) arrives. Absolutely. Without a shadow of a doubt, Charlie Clawson, you are 100% on ball. Charlie Pickering, thank you so much for taking the time, brother. We really appreciate you getting on the show. Anytime, guys. Cheers. Osh, great to hear from Charlie Pickering. But now it's time for my favourite segment, the Dad Pod Hall of Fame. Also known as Charlie Pickering wanders back through history and picks action movie heroes that he could also be his dad. You, that was a Freudian slip. You just referred to me as Charlie Pickering. Oh, fuck, it's Charlie Clawson. Uh, Which sorry, so many Charlie is interesting so because, uh, as you probably know, Charlie and I were housemates for quite some time, and we used to have a running joke that uh, when you called the Charlie's house, you never knew which Charlie you are going to get. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> this entry, Osh, uh, I thought, look, we've done a lot of 80s action heroes. I thought I'd bring this up to speed, perhaps with the most popular TV show of the last 10 years, Game of Thrones, the uh, patriarch Ned Stark <sighs> from season one of Game of Thrones. Now, look, he takes a tough love approach when his kids, but it was a different time. It was a time of dragons. It was a time of incest and rampant violence. So clearly Ned thought he needed to teach his kid a thing or two, um, especially about the importance of honour, by forcing them to watch him chop off the head of a deserter. Now look, again, I guess if you're sort of like contemporising that for modern times, uh, what would that be? It's like, hey kids. I've got to fire someone from work because they stole from the till. I'm not going to let my HR person do it. I'm going to do it. Come and sit on this Skype call while I pull the trigger uh, and end this person's career. Uh, Yeah. And then I'm going to chop their head off. Yeah. Uh, but he was that kind of dad. He was a tough guy. He also was very kind and compassionate. He bought them pets. You might remember that each child of the Starks was given their own dire wolf. No, oh, cute and cuddly. But, geez, they grow up fast. A bit like your spoodles. Are they spoodles, are they? Oh, they're cavoodles. They think they're dire wolves. They're, did you know that the Irish wolfhound, the actual Irish wolfhound, not what's an Irish wolfhound now, but the actual Irish wolfhound were about the size of a fictionalised dire wolf. And in fact, they were so massive that when the British invaded and colonised Ireland, they went about basically killing them all because they were they could take down a horse. And because the Irish had these dogs, they were essentially weapons. Uh, and so the, the British didn't want them to have them. So when you look at dire wolves and go, wouldn't it be cool to have a dog that big? They were dogs that big. They were the original Irish wolfhound. What's an Irish wolfhound now is somewhere between a husky and a, and a Great Dane. But yeah, they, so dire wolves are actually based on real things. I can't believe that. So you're saying that Irish wolfhounds were big enough to take down a horse. Yeah. 
they were big enough to take down a horse. And so the British went, well, we cannot have these people that we're colonizing have a weapon that is essentially can take out our most powerful weapon, which is a man on a horse. So oh therefore God. we will make it illegal to own them and kill them all, which is what they did. Holy shit. Oh, that's a great bit of trivia for you. <laughs> Here to help. Uh, Ned Stark was always worried about the future because that phrase, Osh, winter is coming. Winter is coming. You know, that could be, uh, you could interpret that as being like, hey, make sure you take a coat. It is. It's the, we're going to need a bigger boat of fantasy, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And he, uh, he had a lot of daughters. He even said once that war was easier than daughters. Uh, so that's something that I can keep in mind when I only get to her teenage years and start slamming doors and telling me she hates me. I'll just remember the words of Ned Stark. So, Ned Stark, Dad Pod salutes you. We salute you. Thank you very much for joining us for episode eight of Dad Pod season two. We'll be back next time. Talking, we talked about planning your house today and planning uh, what your house is going to look like and planning, you know, maybe if you're going to move and how that's going to go and the timing around that because it is all very important. You are going to want to have those conversations now. Yet next time we're going to talk about other conversations that you'll need to have, which is about taking time off from work and planning how the money's going to work and um, maybe kind of adjusting some expectations around life around there. So I'm looking forward to kind of sticking into that one, Charlie. And if you want to contact us, you can send us an email at askdadpod at gmail.com. It's a great way to send us some feedback or if you've got any questions. And you can also find us on Instagram at dadpodgram. See what we did there? See? We're like proper podcasters now. Social media bloody geniuses. Genii. All right. God, we, we sound like a couple of geriatric fathers, that's for sure. Yes. <laughs> The only films we were mentioning have been 80s action movies yeah, exactly. and Ned Stark. Sean Dean, you're the best. All right. Uh, until we speak next time, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs>